Uh, a couple of verses I want us to take a look at. First John 1, uh, 3 verses, 5 through 7. It says, This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. Uh, when, I first, when I first came across that verse and when I was getting into the, starting to get into the Scriptures, that verse really surprised me because I was reading it. It says, you know, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, We'll have fellowship with God. That's what I, I expected to read that. I don't know if you guys ever had that experience. And you go, wait, 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 rewind. What did he say? He says, if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. Um, walk, and, I, and I realized as I, as I thought about that is that in that passage, walking in the light is fellowship with God. That's what he's saying. Walking in the light is fellowship with God. And the result of that is that we have fellowship with one another. And so he's actually talking about both things there and that one is the result of the other. Now, to walk in the light, we, we must step into the light initially and take off our mask before God and surrender to him and his ways. You, before you can walk in the light, you've got to initially step into the light. And this is uh, really, you have to take off your mask and admit to him where you're really at, what's really going on, what you're really thinking and uh, the kind of things you're really dealing with, and really give God the reins of your life and make Him the boss. Uh, this is really this is what this is what's meant by uh, just committing your life to Christ and making Him the the Lord of your life. That's really how you start. Um, really making God the boss is it's very similar as an analogy would be to getting married. Now, when I got married to Kate. You know, I, I had a pretty good understanding, I thought, of what it meant to be a husband. Well, there's a lot more to being a husband than I ever imagined at that time, and I'm sure there's a lot more I'm going to find out. But one thing, I, one thing I was doing implicitly when I married Kate is I was telling her, Kate, whatever I understand about being a husband, I commit to be that for you. And whatever I find out in the future that that means, I commit to that too. That's how, that's how you commit to God as the boss of your life is you say, God, whatever I understand about what it means to, for you to be the boss and to call the shots of my life, I commit to you for that. And whatever I find out that means in the future, I commit to that too. And when you do that, it's basically one big yes and a bunch of little yeses every day after that. Once you do that, you, you truly step into light. Something brand new is born in you. And there's a new person, a new creation that begins to be uh, developed over time to be more like God. Now, Romans 5.1 5, 1 and 2 is very clear. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through whom also we have obtained our introduction. We have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. There's this acceptance that we, that we gain from God, this bottom line acceptance that can't be broken once, he, once we commit our life to Him and we step into His family. It's something that can't be broken. Now, then the question that comes to me is then, well, what about, what about when I mess up? That, and that was something that really, uh, I, I really struggled with when I, when I initially began to walk with God, is I kind of had this picture 
that when God forgave me, he forgave me of all my sins up until the moment I was living. And then I would live a week and I'd mess up. And then I would, I would feel like I'd lost out with God and that I had to then, you know, uh, ask for his forgiveness again. And then I could then be back in the family. It's kind of like, it felt like rejection. And one morning I was reading in my quiet time. I, I had begun a, a habit a few years earlier of reading the scriptures in the morning. And I was going through Colossians. And Colossians 2, 13 and 14, this isn't in your, uh, your handout. But Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, When we were dead in our transgressions and the uncircumcision of our flesh, he made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. And he has canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, I had learned some things just from guys that I'd been hanging out with. I didn't know until just before I was reading that passage that in those days, and in, in back in the biblical days, when they crucified someone, they put these charges up on the cross. They'd nail it up there. So it would say, thief. And so when you're walking along, you go, whoa, note to self, don't steal things. <laughs> this, could, uh, this could lead to the cross. And so you take the charges, and what, he says, what he's saying in that passage is, he took the certificate of debt that I had. It was every sin that I was ever going to um, commit, everything I had or was going to. He took that and he nailed it to the cross and he paid the price for it. And the way that rattled my cage and kind of blew, blew my doors off was, as I was thinking, I thought, now wait a minute. I, how many of my sins were future sins when Jesus died? You know, Jesus died 2,000 years ago and I realized that Every single thing that I ever have done wrong or am I going to do wrong, he already knew about and he had it there and he paid the price for it. And it kind of opened up the door for me because I realized that there was nothing that God was going to find out about me that he didn't already know. It was like, you know, I'd go in the future, I'd do something, he goes, Underwood, if I'd have known you were going to do that. All right, you're out. You know, I, I don't, that's actually not there because he knows everything already. He knows things that I don't even know that I'm going to do wrong in the future. Yet he's accepted me into his family, and I cannot lose that acceptance. Now, where that plays in here is when you have that kind of acceptance between you and God, your mask is off, and you have that kind of acceptance for God, that opens up the ability to really relate to other people and also to relate to God. Um, just to, just to give you a quick illustration, you may not may not realize this this morning, but I have a I have always had a real fear of public speaking. Now I am publicly speaking right now, so that seems a little strange. But when I was in uh, when I was in high school, the first time I, re- I recognized this in me is you know they had a little speech thing in twelfth uh, grade, and I turned around when I turned around and I saw all those people who knew me. I don't even understand why all the fears that came up in me. I could barely talk, and then. I went to college and uh, speech class was required in the civil engineer degree. And so I, I, I'm thinking, what? Uh, but it didn't matter. It was required. And, what, you know, I was less concerned about differential equations, mechanics of materials, geotechnical design, steel design, intermediate theory structures. Now, those were scary subjects, but they were nothing compared to speech. And... I remember I took that class. I signed up for that class three times and dropped it. 
Guy went up, stood it, looked it in the face and said, no, I have more time in college yet. And then finally the witching hour came when I was a senior and I took it, I had to sign up the fourth time when I actually took it. And I, you know, I suffered through five speeches. You know, it's like there was a lot of paper rattling and nervous twitching going on, but I, I got through speech class, <clears throat> barely. Then after learning to walk with God some, this is in my later 20s, I got the opportunity to speak at Christian Challenge at USC. It was part of a group there. Uh, there's a lot of folks here today that are part of that now. And I remember getting ready. I, I was really excited because there was things that I was learning and I really wanted to pass on things that were really making a difference for me. And i getting ready for this uh, talk and I was just really overcome with anxiety. But then I got up. Uh, I remember sitting in the back of the room waiting for my turn to speak. And there was a guy kind of giving a testimony about what God had done in his life. And I thought, you know, if he were to stretch this out for 30 minutes, I wouldn't even have to talk. So, but he didn't. He stayed within his time limit. And I remember, but the whole time he was talking, you know, I wish I could tell you what he said. I didn't hear it. Um, I was doing business with God. And I'm in the back seat. And I was, the thought that, the thought that God finally penetrated my, my mind with was, you know, Jeep, if you go up there, and as my son would say, epic fail. You know, if you go up there and it's so bad that people reference it in the future and they go, I was there when he did. I mean, if it's, if it's that bad, he, he said, you know, you've lost nothing with me. Tomorrow morning, we're just as good as we were this morning. We're good to go. And it was that, it, honestly, there was that feeling of acceptance. I kept rolling that thought through my mind and I stood up. I walked to the front, I turned around, and I found out something very surprising to me. I enjoy speaking about things I care about. <laughs> All that other stuff I had to talk about, I didn't really care about. I enjoy sharing things that I care about, and I didn't know it until I actually faced it and went forward. But it was God's acceptance that got me out of my chair. Um, you know, once you've stepped in the light and you, and you know you have that acceptance from God... You, you have to daily take off your mask and, uh, and really follow him. Really, that's what... In fact, I'd like, I'd like to look at a couple of verses. They're both in John 8. And they're kind of in the midst of a big conversation Jesus was having with the Pharisees. But John eight twelve says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um... Walking in the light is really an experience of following Jesus and putting into practice the things that he's teaching you. That's really what walking in the light consists of. It's a big, it's a huge part of what that is. Uh, the next verse is John eight thirty-one to 32. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, you know, you see that phrase a lot. The truth will set you free. You'll see it on commercials. You know, it's probably going to be on a Geico commercial pretty soon. I haven't seen it yet, but they put everything else in Geico commercials. But that statement really begs a lot of questions. One question is, free from what? And what's true about what? I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a great statement. And actually, there's, there's a lot of applications of that statement. But Jesus had a lot more to say. He actually framed it. And what I want to do is I want to walk backwards through that verse 
And I think it, it just uh, does, a, does a real good job of just bringing to light what Jesus was trying to communicate. Setting you free. The truth will set you free. As you read on, if you read on from after this passage, after this verse, you realize that what Jesus is talking about is free from that life in the darkness that we've been talking about. It's a freedom from uh, the shame and the the uh, embarrassment that we talked about before, the freedom from the insecurity, a freedom from uh, just the uh, just the pride that would prevent us from following him. It's a real freedom to be who you are and to step out of the shadows is what he's talking about. The sinful lifestyles that we, that we, uh, we tend to gravitate towards. The truth, the truth is really the reality of how the world works and how God operates in the world. You know, how does the world really operate and how does God really act inside that, inside that world? That's, that's the truth he's talking about. And he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth, the truth doesn't do much for you. And so Jesus is saying you, you need to come to the place where you actually understand reality and understand the way God works in reality. And as you become convinced of the truths of that, it sets you free. So then he backs it up and he says, if you're truly my disciple, you will know the truth. And now disciple, that word means a learner. And so a learner, you know, a, a disciple was someone who learns from someone and then puts into practice the things they're learning. It's a very practical thing to be a disciple. And so he says, if you're truly my disciples, then you will know the truth. So if you, if you put into practice the things I'm sharing with you, they'll help you understand how the world really works and how God operates in the world, and it will set you free. And then you go back again, and he says, there's an if. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It all it really a big part of walking in the light. It stems from just abiding in His Word. That's uh, daily taking in His Word without the mask between you. Just taking your mask, taking your mask off, meeting with God, letting Him know where you're really at, relating with Him, and learning from Him, and putting into practice the things you're learning. It's a, it's a daily walk. Now, it's interesting. He says, he was saying to those Jews who had believed him, believing is key. Believing in Jesus is absolutely key. But if you, if you don't abide in his word, you don't get to the freedom that God desires. It's, it, the, the real turning point in my life has been when I begin to really abide in his word and really, really learn from him and walk with him and, and follow him. Now, if we're relating to God in this fashion, it really helps us to really take off our mask before other people. And to walk in the light, we have to take off our mask before other people. Um, I want to look at Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Paul just says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Uh, you know, Paul, one thing he's saying is, let's, let's, let's not hide behind our mask and lie to each other about who we are and where we're really at. Because we really, we really want to be a community of people that really are who they say they are with each other. 
Um, if you, when you keep the mask on, you really separate yourself from those who can help. Uh, we really, um, you really, there, there's a, that's what I was saying earlier about the, like the, the darkness kind of pulls us away from the people who can help us. But really when, it's re, when we remove our masks before God and before people, we actually, people begin to see where we're at and they can actually help us. They can, there's people that have done things that we're trying to accomplish. There's people who have actually made really good inroads in things that we really need to learn. It really opens us up to a lot of resources and a lot of help. I just want to tell, I'll tell a quick story. Uh, about 13 years ago, this, kind of, this story kind of just shows an intersection between taking your mask off between people and also before God and how that works in everyday life. But about 13 years ago, I, I was promoted from a journeyman engineer to a uh, project engineer, which means I was in charge of uh, a large federal flood control project. Now, that sounded, was, I, for about two or three days, I was really excited. That was exciting. I'm in charge of a federal flood control. And then the reality of being in charge of a flood control project began to land on my shoulders. And the bloom began to come off the rose a little bit, and I realized... I've got to lead this thing. And I, there's people that I have to lead. There's agencies that I have to pull together. Anyway, my boss, my boss's boss, the branch chief, pulled into his office and he goes, Underwood, I'm going to give you Tucson Unified, or I'm going to give you Tucson Drainage Area Project. He said, uh, here's the environmental impact statement. Here's the feasibility study that we just finished. Oh, and here's the appendices that go with the feasibility study. And he, there's a stack on his desk like that. And he goes, read through this and get familiar with the project. Okay. <clears throat> and then he kept going. And he said, uh, actually, we want you to have a technical review conference. Uh, he said, uh, what that is, is it's kind of a kickoff meeting where you have all the agencies that are partners with us come together and we just present to them how we're going to accomplish this design and the ways we're going to, to uh, make this design happen. And he said... Uh, so, he says, you know, we haven't done this for about 15 years. In fact, I don't think anyone remembers really what these look like. <laughs> okay. And he said, yeah, in fact, whatever it is you wind up doing will probably be the template for, for everyone. I'm like, okay. What is it again? You were saying, no, no. It's just, I'm just taking this all in. And uh, he says, and we need to have that right away. I'd say in about a month. And, and, I, and in my mind, I'm thinking... I don't even know what that bunch of stuff says. I don't even know what this project is. And in a month, I've got to lead this thing. Thankfully, it was two months before it happened. But, but I was sitting there, and I had this strong temptation to just get up and appear very competent and go, all right, and walk out and then, I guess, cry on my cubicle. I don't know. But, <laughs> but you know, honestly, I, I think because of just uh, the acceptance that I had been growing in from God and just, just knowing that my worth wasn't on the line, but I did have a responsibility, I asked him, I just said, Tom, if you had just been given the assignment that you just gave me, what's the first three things you would do? And he goes, well, that's a good question. And he gave me three things. Those became the top three things on my to-do list. So I, I walked out of there and I did those three things, which were really helpful, and it blossomed in, it, it kind of, it was a starting point and it got me, got me going. And I had to do a lot of learning and reading and talking. And anyway, two months later, I've got, uh, I know that the night before, 
Uh, we're going to have our technical review conference at 9 o'clock in the morning, the night before the executives from uh, Tucson Unified School District, because they're providing property where they'd flown into town, and uh, the executives from the Pima County, Pima County Flood Control District had flown into town. The executives from the city of Tucson had flown into town. And our architect engineering firm that I was supposed to lead, uh, they, they were going to be at the meeting as well. And we also had in-house folks that were working on the team. And I know everything's going to converge that morning. I had planned it out. I, I knew what we were supposed to do. But I woke up that morning, and I just couldn't shake my anxiety. I mean, I just... It's like, I could call in dead. No, no, I could, uh, no, he, he can't come. He died last night. No, no. I mean, I was, there's, there's just no way I can get out of this at 9 o'clock in the morning. And, I mean, and I'm being funny about it now, but I can tell you that morning I was anxious. And it, it just felt like it was all on me. And I knew I wasn't enough. Uh, it just felt like I just, I just knew that I just am not enough. And I, so I met, was meeting with God. And I happened to be in Psalm 94 that morning. Psalm 94 verses 17 through 19, just says, If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have dwelt in the abode of silence. Um, My soul would soon have dwelt in the abode of silence. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness, O Lord, will pick me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations, O Lord, delight my soul. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. In fact, I memorized it that morning because I needed to have that with me when I went because I had to go there and do this. But it was just, for me, I just I felt like God had just, was just letting me know, hey, we're cool, and I'm going to help you. You don't need to stress about this. Just go lead it. And so I, I, I'm going in. I got, you know, got to work, was going up the elevator, went to the room where we're going to have it. As I'm walking to the room, the chief of engineering division, the top, our top executive in engineering, meets me. As I'm walking, he goes, oh, hey, Paul, just uh, thought I'd stop in today and check out how this is going. I went, oh, good. <laughs> when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. You're constantly, okay. And so I remember walking there just praying. I'd come in, and I, and, I, and I start leading it. And one thing I noticed is, is I would say, well, this is the way we're going to handle the geotechnical investigations, and I'd hand it off. And those guys would say what they're going to do. I'd say, and this is the way we're going to handle the hydraulic design, and uh, this is the way we're going to. This is the kind of parameters we're going to be designing to. And then the hydraulic guys would take it and run. It turns out I was just like a master of ceremonies. You know, I was just kind of like going hmm, like this, and it worked. It worked great. In fact, it is the template that they use from now on. That's that's the template that is used now. But you know, I'll tell you something. I was not enough. But with the help that I got from uh, the people that were a little further ahead than me, and the help that I got from God, I was enough with them. In other words, me plus them was enough. And it made a huge difference. And that's, that's really what it looks like when you step and you walk in the light. Now, I can give you a lot of examples. We don't have time of things that I didn't do right. So just so you know, I'm, this is something I'm, I'm just working on this as well. Um, also, from those, you know, uh, if we hide behind the mask, we, it's also, it also prevents us from really giving help to other people. Uh, you know, as we walk in the light, over time we, we grow in maturity and wisdom. And we might be one or two steps ahead of someone else. And we can really help them learn how to step into the light and walk in the light like we are. 
and or like we're we're striving to do. And and if you have a mask on that says, I have arrived and I would like to impart to you the wisdom of the ages. Well, that's going to be very unattainable to people and it's going to be very off-putting. But if you're very real about where you're at and you say, you know, honestly, um, every day I'm trying to figure out what it is. But, you know, there's some things I've found out that are really helpful. Would you like me to share that with you? I could share with you some things that have really helped me. That's a person that can really help another person. And that's something that God really desires for us. Now, as I, as I wrap this up, you know, in the movie, um, Tonto tells the Lone Ranger, don't ever take off the mask. Which in that extreme situation, maybe that was a good idea. But, you know, the Lone Ranger wanted to make a difference. He really wanted to make a difference in the world around him. But really, he and Tonto were completely on their own. That's it. You know, that's all they had. Now, God really intends that his family would be a place, would be a safe place where people could take off their masks and be authentic with one another. And the world is in desperate need of authentic people who make a difference. And so that's why, that's why this really matters. And the question, the question, it comes down to a personal question for each one of us, is am I going to stay behind the mask or walk into the light? And uh, it's a daily, you know, uh, it's, a daily, uh, it's a daily decision. So we want to go ahead and we're going to move into some, uh, some next steps, things that, you could, things that you could do in light of uh, the talk today and the message today. Um, one thing you could do is um, you could put away the mask in the way you're relating to God. Maybe, uh, maybe that's, that's an area where you've been, you've been struggling and you haven't been real with him. Uh, maybe you can put away the mask and get some help. Ask somebody around you for some help in something you're facing. Um, or just life in general. Or just, you know, how do you, you know, uh, all the different things that weigh on us. Get some help. Uh, give help. You know, take off the mask. And you might see someone around that you could really help out. Well, go ahead. Connect with them. Offer, offer to uh, provide a little input. And this may be for you for, for the very first time. Maybe... Maybe this is the time when you would initially step into the light and you would take off the mask and accept Jesus as Lord and make him the boss. Maybe that's where you're at. Um, There's also some other steps on here of the different uh, events that we have coming up. Uh, The women's dessert and the the hiking meetup on August 3rd. I would would like to just pray uh, to end our time right here as the band uh, gets ready to play. Dear God, Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning. And God, we are grateful for the acceptance, the unshakable acceptance that you have for us. And God, I pray that if there's someone here that hasn't made that decision, I pray that you just tip them over and they would, then they would just uh, take off that mask and step into the light. And God, I pray for the rest of us that you would really help us to open up with one another and that we'd make a difference with our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.